0: You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com, find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So before we get started, quick little shout out to Mr. Justin, Mr. Billy, and Mr. Sean. Uh, Justin and Sean jumped on the Patreon bandwagon, very, very, very much appreciated. Billy BJ decided to 5X his donation, so very much appreciated there. But today we're talking coaches, we're talking playoffs, and I'm pretty sure that's about it. We'll see what happens. Never really know. But before we get there, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy if you'd like to support the podcast. There's also a link to a one, actually there's two links now. Because a friend of mine was like, dude, you should get Venmo and I'll get you some money. And I was like, I don't know what Venmo is. And he's like, oh, it's like PayPal, but it's free and there's no fees. And I'm like, alright. So I put my little Venmo thing in there if you have that. That's an option. I think. I don't know. Maybe you can't... I, I don't know. I have no idea what that is. But I put my my thing in there. Also, just want to run it past you real quick. We're creeping up on episode 300. I know this isn't how birthdays work, but these are pretty big milestones and I'm pretty proud of them. If you haven't... If, if you're in Patreon and all that stuff, or if you've donated at any point, never mind. But for those of you that haven't quite yet, here's a thought if you're on the fence. A $3 donation on episode 300, would be awesome. Which is essentially saying, here's a penny for every episode, thank you so much. So think it over, we got a couple days for that yet. I believe this is episode 293, so we got about a week left. But it's coming up, and I'm pretty excited. Otherwise, be sure to jump in the uh, the old Facebook group, Packernet.com, going all out of order here, for all your news, notes, and information. NFLBigBoard.com, for all your draft stuff. I did a little mini-update yesterday. All I did was take a few people off. I went through and found, I want to say, about 10 people. I also took Mac Wilson off. Um, he isn't officially out, so I probably shouldn't have done that because that's sort of my rule, but it just, I don't know. I can put him back on. Also found out through that process, um, Deontay Thompson might not be coming into the draft. Uh, Mac Wilson would have been a great addition. I know there's been a big argument about linebacker on Twitter. I, I Okay, maybe not. But uh, Deontay Thompson was another option. And, and the bigger problem is the more of these guys say I'm not going into the draft, even if we're not going to take them, that's somebody that maybe could have been taken at pick 10, which pushes somebody like Josh Allen back to us, even though at the time of the draft Josh Allen could go number three. I have no idea. He continues to rise. But you get my point. I want more filler. Put more junk in there. Get Haskins in there. Get all the quarterbacks in there. I want, every, I want Bosa pushed all the way back to 14, 19. I don't care. Let's pick Bosa with our second pick, because there's just (laughs) so much filler. That wouldn't happen. He'll be number one. But you you get what I'm saying. So anyways, nothing official there, but we'll see what happens. Otherwise, any questions, please call or text. I know I keep saying that, and then I don't answer anybody's questions. I promise I didn't forget your question. I will get to your questions. There's just a lot of of news going on right now. These are some great off-season questions. um, But they're also kind of project questions, so I do need a little bit of time, you know, If you guys listen to the show, you should know that I don't like to do things half-hearted. So if you ask me a question, I'm going to take it very seriously, and I'm going to try to get to the bottom of the question, because I want to know too. But if you've got a question, 608-501-0718. 608-501-0718. Call or text. Messaging and data rates may apply. So lots and lots of coaching news around the NFL it's, it's I, I don't know, maybe it's just because the Packers are doing it this year, I'm more interested in it, but it's it's kind of crazy. A lot of big-name people are going to end up on different teams. Uh, Chuck Pagano, we're going to talk about in depth a little bit, but Chuck Pagano is officially the Chicago Bears defensive coordinator. Uh, Steve Wilks, who was just fired by the Cardinals for being a terrible head coach, actually I believe did a pretty good job as a defensive coordinator, which is something to keep in mind, right? A lot of times you see people that are, you look at as a head coach and you go, yuck, But they got their head coaching job because they were amazing coordinators. But sometimes coordinators just can't quite make that jump. A lot of times, maybe if you're a defensive guy, that's kind of what the problem is, right? You can't get the offense, whatever. So not necessarily something to scoff at, something to keep an eye on. Uh, The Bengals actually fired Hugh Jackson, which is interesting for a few reasons. Um, First of all, there was a lot of talk that Hugh Jackson was going to be the Bengals' head coach. It's also interesting because apparently according to the Vikings anyways, there was some interest. I know the Vikings already have their offensive coordinator, but it's interesting to see where Hugh Jackson could end up. But uh, he fired Mr. Brian Flores, another guy that we had interviewed for a head coaching job. Uh, He was actually just hired as the head coach, I believe, of the Miami Dolphins. I don't know if it's official yet, but it's supposedly the way it's going to go. The reason I'm kind of going through this, and I think it's interesting, is one thing that I want to do, and I think that I want to challenge everybody else to do maybe i'll do it in the in the facebook group i've been talking a lot about how it's not even a matter of i think we get too caught up in being right about stuff about things we don't know all right brian flores to miami that's dumb that's a failure they're never going to do it cliff kingsbury oh that's 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 ridiculous and i i, I kind of get it for some of the media people like if it's your job to just make outlandish claims then yeah you just gotta stake your claim and say this isn't going to work Fortunately, I can do whatever I want. It's my podcast. I can run it how I want to run it, and I, I just i don't want to go down that road whenever I can avoid going down that road. If I believe something, I'll say I believe it, but at the end of the day, there should always be somewhat of a caveat saying, I have no idea, and nobody has any idea. But what I would like to do is something that I've been doing more recently, and that is to not even so much make a claim about what I think is going to happen, but just formulate a theory, right? Ryan Flores came from the Patriots-Bill Belichick tree. Those guys tend to fail. Miami will fail. Now, considering I thought Adam Gase kind of dragged the team higher than it should have been, a failure year would be a really down year. So from that, I would just kind of come up with a general thing. Like, you know, this should be in and around their record. Obviously, that depends on some of the teams they play. But it's just sort of a general theory and I want to come up with a series of theories and at the end of the year kind of reassess things right I've made a statement that the um, Andy Reid tree and the uh, Mike Shanahan tree tend to be more talented trees and maybe Mike Shanahan's too broad of a tree but at the very least the, the I don't know Kyle Shanahan tree I guess so you know if that holds true fine then we look at Green Bay, and I'll formulate a theory that it's going to be successful, not only because he comes from that tree, but other things that I've said about he's a grinder and he's hungry. Here's another theory. I'm concerned about Bruce Arians to Tampa Bay. I've talked about this, about how important it is to be a grinder and to be hungry. Here's a theory, and it's not a prediction. Please understand the difference. I'm not making a prediction because I don't know a single thing about that man and his heart and his passion and what he's doing and why he's doing it. But here's a theory, and and the reason I want to do this is because it's going to make me more knowledgeable in the future and better at doing this. Because I need to write this stuff down and say, here's what I believe is going to happen, and if it doesn't happen, reassess why I believe what I believe. Too many people just, just throw stuff out and then just close it off. They don't even know when they're wrong. Dude, you're not growing. Let's all be better at this football stuff. You come in here every single day, you want to learn stuff. Fine, let's let's learn stuff. Let's do it the right way. Let's start from the ground up. we got to start... Now. we got to be paying attention now. Not just, yeah, I don't care about the Patriots and the Dolphins. Fine, but if we had been doing this for the past five years, we'd have a better idea of what to expect and what we should have wanted for our head coaching job this year. All of us are coming into this blind because we never pay attention to this stuff when other teams do it. So anyways, I'm not going to do that now. I want to kind of let the dust settle, but that's another off-season thing I want to tackle. Oh, but the Bruce Arians thing. Part of the problem I have is, again, there's, there's a difference between... I'll, I'll say this, it's not even grinding. There's a difference between grinding and growing. Let me give you an example. This podcast, I think for a very long time, up to and including you know, yesterday until this thought occurred to me, I've been sort of grinding, which is to say I, I get up early and I work hard on the podcast. That's fine, but if the podcast is stagnating, you're grinding for the sake of grinding. I think Mike McCarthy was a grinder. I think he worked very, very hard. I think he had ridiculous hours. I think he worked and worked and worked and worked, but he kind of got away from the idea of what is what is the goal of the grinding. It's to grow and innovate. There needs to be a hunger to be better. Now, when I look over at Bruce Arians again, there's a thought here. I when I watch the the Bruce Arians or the Arizona Cardinals with their hard knocks episode. Very, very family oriented. He said that's way more important than football. He left football. He got to spend an entire year with his family. And then he takes a job. You know, on one on, on the west of him is beautiful beaches. On the east of him is bush gardens. Go a little further east. You've got Orlando where you can take the grandkids. I mean it's it's like you're getting paid. It's you still love football. But how much are you going to cut off family, get in the office, and grind for the sake of being new and being better and and looking into the future five, ten years? We want to be ahead of the curve. So here's my theory, not my prediction, my theory. The Buccaneers are not going to be better. You're not going to get the Arizona Cardinals, Bruce Arians. You're going to get Grandpa Bruce Arians, who's thinking about his grandkids in the office, not thinking about how he's going to make the Buccaneers the greatest team ever. And, and, And again... These aren't absolutes. Of course, he goes to work and he's able to work, but I'm just saying, he's kind of split now. So, in other words, that's that's another theory. Uh, another guy the Bengals fired was uh, Bill Lazor, or Laser, as he should always be referred. I only bring that up because he's another name that's somewhat interesting. I remember when he went to the Bengals, we played him that week, and the idea was, and this, again, this was, I don't know, last year maybe, but at the time, it was kind of like, he's kind of cutting edge. Kind of similar to Adam GaSe, like he was the last generation of cutting edge. Bill Lazor, Adam GaSe, like these were kind of like the, I don't know by young, but the, the you know the cutting edge offenses. We played them that week, and we just got, I don't know if we lost necessarily, but that offense just absolutely carved us up, and the Bengals kind of blew up. But I, you know, again, it kind of stagnated. I don't, I don't think that this is going to be a thing, but uh, it's definitely something. You know, he, he's got the experience. He's somebody that uh, maybe, um. LeFleur could lean on, which I think is an interesting thing to think about. He very much values keeping Pettin, which is more news that is officially official. I don't know if it was officially official yesterday, but it keeps getting more and more official by the hour. But one of the things that he had stated about keeping Mike Pettin was the fact that he he and his head coaching experience is something that he can lean on, which is good. You know, again, it kind of goes to, it's tough. You don't want a guy who's not capable of, of, running this thing with an iron fist and by himself to go in there and go, I can handle all this, I can do it myself, I don't need anybody, and then failing because the job's too big. On the other hand, you kind of want a guy that can go in there and handle it. You know what I mean? But he'll he'll get it. He's going to be here for four years, hopefully five, hopefully more than that. But um, I suppose in the meantime it's good to get acclimated to the head coaching job by having... But the reason I bring it up is because we don't have an offensive coordinator yet. Having somebody with that... Um, you know, extra bit of experience, and that's where you would say somebody like a Joe Philbin would make sense. Not necessarily saying I want him, but a guy like that. A West Coast guy, former head coach, very, very much somebody that you can lean on. In other words, we're going to do it my way, but there's some stuff about being a head coach I'm not so sure about. You know, whatever. Just something to consider when we continue to look at uh, offensive coordinators to the Packers. Uh, We got Steve Sarkeesian going to the Arizona Cardinals. That just... I don't know. I mean, it is what it is, but Steve Sarkeesian was the offensive coordinator of the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons were one of the best offenses in the NFL <clears throat> up until you had uh, Kyle Shanahan leave and Steve Sarkeesian came in, and then you saw what what you saw, right? Packers-Falcons was, was basically a joke. That should have, that, that at, in its day, meaning like two years ago and for the last 10 years prior to that, you know, with a couple iffy years in between, that was a heck of a matchup right there. Packers-Falcons. This last year, Packers-Falcons was basically like Browns-Jets. It was a joke. So, got a lot of theories about the Cardinals coming up. Speaking of Cardinals, they got Vance, excuse me, Vance Joseph as their defensive coordinator. By the way, another reason why this is important to be paying attention to this stuff, and the only reason I keep making excuses for this is because I can hear the complaints already. I come here to listen to Packers. I don't care about the look dude here's the deal you got 94 other packers podcasts you know what they're talking about the exact same thing as everybody else is talking about i'm gonna give you something a little different whether you like it or not this is daily and this is 45 minutes to an hour if other podcasts are about 20 minutes of content five days a week we're talking about 100 minutes of content which is less than two hours a week if i'm doing 45 minutes for seven days a week, I'm giving you over five hours a week. So if you just want like one podcast to give you a general overview of today's news, I promise you, you've got 96 to pick from. Don't complain, just go listen to them. But another reason why a lot of this stuff is important, we've got, and I don't even know if I've talked about this yet, uh, next year, obviously, we play the Bears twice, Lions twice, Vikings twice, but we've got the Dallas Cowboys. I don't know exactly what their situation is. Can't imagine too many people are getting fired. you got the Giants. Got the Eagles, got the Redskins, got the Broncos. Broncos, obviously, we got Vic Fangio and uh, a lot of turnover there. You got the Kansas City Chiefs, should be a pretty good game. The Raiders. Um, I'm not sure about turnover in the coaching staff, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, the Chargers, the 49ers. 49ers would be interesting because, you know, you got that sort of reunion going on. And then the Carolina Panthers. So we've got teams that we're going to be going up against. Strangely enough, the, the biggest turnover is probably going to be in the NFC North. You got stuff going on with the Bears with Pagano, Detroit Lions got some stuff going on, the Vikings got quite a bit of turnover going on. But anyways, it's worth keeping an eye on this stuff. There's some tough games here, man. I haven't really looked at it yet, but um, we've got the Chiefs on the road, the Bears on the road, the Vikings on the road, obviously. Cowboys on the road could be tough, Chargers on the road could be tough. We'll see about the Giants. Um, Giants are kind of considered garbage, but that's a team I'd be interested in looking at. San Francisco 49ers could be tough depending on if they get their quarterback and can do what they can do. I mean, pretty much everybody on the road, I don't even want to say with the exception of the Lions, because the Lions on the road could always give you a good fight. That's pretty tough. At home, I think we should be able to handle business. If the Bears regress to the degree that I think they should, I feel like we should be able to win that game. Vikings, I'm not really sure what we're getting. Lions, we should be able to handle. Broncos, I don't think are going to have the offensive firepower, especially with now a defensive coordinator as their head coach. Raiders are a joke. Panthers, Redskins, Eagles, eh, I don't know. Well, th- those are teams that are, you never know what you're going to get. But, uh, yeah, the, ro- the road games are going to be kind of tough, man. LeFleur is going to be challenged. But, anyways, as far as Packers news is concerned, um, yes, Ron Zook is gone. Yes, our defensive coordinator is staying. And now it's become official. And I would like to personally apologize to Joe Witt Jr. for getting him fired. I didn't realize. I mean, I, I obviously I knew that Mark Murphy and the crew listened to this podcast. I just didn't know they would listen to this, turn around, and fire the guy. I'm I, i, I uh, I'm sorry about that. Mark, dude, you should call me before you make these decisions, because, I mean, it, it, you know, I stand by what I said, but, you know, we should talk it through a little bit first. No, but I, you know, listen, I, I don't need to explain why I think this was a good firing, because I did that yesterday. Prior to him getting fired, I laid out exactly why Joe Witt should be fired. I think he's very, very likable. He's great with press conferences. And listen, yeah, you know, when you look at his resume and, you know, Charles Woodson talked him up. Yeah, when was the last time Charles Woodson was here? Last time Charles Woodson was here was the last time the Packers had a good secondary. So, yeah, of course you're going to pump him up, right? That's like when Mike McCarthy got fired and somebody from 2011 who has, the last time he played was 2011 on the offense. is like, I can personally vouch for Mike McCarthy. He's a great coach. They shouldn't have fired him. This is a joke. He should get a job. It's like, dude, you kind of don't know what's been going on here the last few years. Listen, it's. I think it's the same story, man. Mike McCarthy got stagnant. The offense got stagnant. Joe Philbin wasn't bringing it. Ron Zook wasn't bringing it. Dom Capers wasn't bringing it. Everything just started to go stagnant and stale. And I don't know if that was more evident anywhere than our secondary. Because, again, we put so much capital into our secondary. We just kept getting guys on top of guys on top of guys on top of guys on top of guys. And it was just, man, just nothing ever. Nothing ever. You know, and I I think there was a time when, you know, you start seeing undrafted free agents stepping up and being starters and really, really, you know, I mean, they're the ones that are, I mean, and that's kind of what the Packers have been for a long time, but part of the problem, at least in the second half of his career, as to why the undrafted free agents were stepping up is because the first and second round guys couldn't play football. So you had the Lindsey Pipkins of the world kind of stepping up and and playing better than some of the starters, and you can look at that and be impressed. You know, obviously, when we won the Super Bowl, we had guys that were uh, later drafted, undrafted, stepping up and playing a big role. And you look at that and you go, wow, we've got a really good coach here. But at this stage of the game, I'm just not buying it. And I'm glad it happened because if he stayed on board, I just you, you can't expect better. Him getting fired, is it's good because it tells me that they believe the problem with our secondary and, and not even so much the secondary... Because, again, I think when guys were healthy, we weren't getting carved up very well, which means the scheme was kind of working, but the players got so depleted. So I think the scheme that that, or, um, that Mike Pettin dials up makes sense for a lot of things. But, again, we're not getting the development that we need. And this is just confirmation, not only that, yes, it's not the development that we need, but it's also very promising because it means now we can go out and get somebody that hopefully can develop these guys. I mean, what can our secondary be if we get a coach in here that's, again, hungry, really wants to coach these guys up and teach them some stuff that they haven't heard before, really bring their game to the next level, get Kevin King something to to chew on. Kevin King's not growing, man. I think he actually took a step back from last year. We need guys like Kevin King to step up. We need Josh Jones to finally break out. Who's going to coach this guy up? Joe Witt's not the guy. He's had several years with Josh Jones. He's not going anywhere. Josh Jackson, all the potential in the world. Is he ever going to develop it under the previous Packers regime? Of course not. We know how this goes. He doesn't play well, he's never going to play well. If he doesn't come out firing like Jair, then what do you expect? Jair came out and played well because Jair's a good football player. But do I expect him to continue to get better? No, I don't. And any growth that he has is going to be on his own. It's going to be just him picking up stuff as he goes. I just don't have faith and confidence in Joe Witt's ability to get these guys up and improved, right? That was the big thing about Vic Fangio that I loved is every year all these guys got better. And we see that in different places, right? The defensive line, I think they do a great job along the defensive line. You got guys coming in and they're stepping up, man. You look at the the growth of, of Kenny Clark, You look at the, I mean, obviously we're talking different coaches here, but Mike Daniels, I think we're talking, I don't know. Jerry Montgomery's been here for four years. I think Mike Daniels was here before that. But still, how long before he really stepped up and broke out? So he's been here for four years. So here's Mike Daniels. In in his first year, he was not very good. In his second year, he was uh, good. In 2014, he was good. 2015 was the first year Jerry Montgomery stepped in. It was the only year Mike Daniels was elite. So he made a massive jump to elite. Then he stepped back a little bit, but he was very good and then very good, and then this year he kind of regressed back to 2013-2014 level. But he he kind of just, he had a three-year just boom when Jerry Montgomery stepped in. Kenny Clark, we've had one first-round pick. Again, think about all the corners that we've brought in, all the safeties we brought in in the first and second round. We get one guy at the end of the first round Give him to Jerry Montgomery, say, make this guy a star. What has he done with Kenny Clark? He's one of the best in the NFL. I mean, literally, the best player on the defense is a defensive lineman. You know who the fourth best guy was? Tyler Lancaster. Tyler Lancaster, fourth best defensive player on this entire team. This is a rookie free agent, right? Baby face, 6'3", 313 pounds. He comes out and he knows how to play. I'm not not trying to take anything away from him. I'm sure he's got some talent. There's a reason the Packers wanted him. But nobody even drafted this guy. This is what I expect from guys that are coaches. Not that everybody's going to be an elite stud. You're going to have some guys that just can't play. But do you have the ability to mold these guys into something special? It's hard to argue Jerry Montgomery hasn't had a hand in, in a lot of the success of this team. Dean Lowry. He's had a good last three years. Muhammad Wilkerson, before he got hurt, he was doing pretty well let me just put it this way five of the top 10 defensive players were defensive linemen Montrevious adams was 11 james looney was 12 that's every single defensive lineman on the team that's it not one of them had a bad grade Montrevious adams started the year as the worst player on this entire team he ended the year as the 11th best on the team jerry montgomery's a stud man he's a stud I don't know what's going to happen if we give him more responsibility. I wouldn't mind, you know, maybe making him like a run game coordinator, something to that effect. But I'm telling you, this is what I want from coaches. And if I don't see this kind of stuff, especially if you've been there for that long, what are you doing? Now, right now, the run game coordinator is Patrick Graham. He's brand new this year. Pettin must have brought him in, so I doubt he's going anywhere. But I don't know. I'd rather have Jerry Montgomery getting a raise somewhere and not risk losing him. I don't know, whatever. By the way, something else to keep an eye on here, uh, Jason Simmons is our secondary coach. He's been here eight years with the Packers. If we're looking at guys who have been here for a long time, who are stagnant, who have not done anything to help this team, Jason Simmons falls in the category. The only reason he wouldn't be fired and, and one of the next guys to go is if Mike Pettin himself saw Jason Simmons really trying and really doing some good stuff. But it was just Joe Witt that wasn't getting it done. In other words, he's the last remaining guy from the old school that's still really trying to grind and make things better. The problem is, though, you're the secondary coach. Nobody in the secondary is getting better. It's not like Joe Witt can tie your hands behind your back. You've got your own job, man. I mean, Joe Witt's the pass game coordinator for the defense. But, I mean, you're, I don't know, whatever. I think we got some good guys on this team. But I just want to give you that snapshot of what I expect. And not that everybody's going to have that much success, but there's got to be something, man. You you have to be adding value to the team. Jerry Montgomery is absolutely adding value to this team. Joe Witt Jr. was not. Jason Simmons is not. Mike Pettin did and does. Patrick Graham, inside linebacker, run game coordinator, eh. We were expected to be the number one run defense in the NFL this year. We were terrible. Blake Martinez, I don't think, was quite as good as he has been in the past. Our run game... And the defense was pretty abysmal. Now, I kind of blame that on, on Mike Pettin changing his philosophy to, to emphasize stopping the pass as opposed to the run. But again, at the same time, we got a good defensive line. Your job is to take care of the linebackers and the running game. And the only thing that's really not working right now, the linebackers and the running game. I guess here's here's an interesting question, though. Patrick Graham is inside linebackers. Jerry Montgomery's defensive line. Who in the world is doing outside linebackers? Maybe that's why they're so horrible, because <laughs> they forgot to give them a coach. I don't know, whatever. So anyways, Joe Witt's gone. And I'm pretty excited to to kind of get some fresh blood in here. In other news, um, Nathaniel Hackett and Todd Munkin have both interviewed for the offensive coordinator position. We talked a little bit about Munkin before. He is the former Buccaneers um, offensive coordinator. I definitely like, and, and this is going to be true for everybody, I like them more as an offensive coordinator than a head coach candidate. I guess the only question would be, what boxes are we checking here? Well, first of all, he does have head coaching experience, so the whole, I would like to have somebody that understands the head coaching process thing, um, that's absolutely a benefit. His primary specialty is going to be wide receivers in the passing game. He does have a little bit of quarterback experience at Oklahoma State, but primarily that's going to be his specialty, and, and, and again... He did a lot of that with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now the scheme is different, and I don't exactly know the complexities of that. I think one of the difficulties could be, you know, again, you, something that I wanted was for someone for LaFleur to get somebody that understands his brand of offense. So somebody that comes from the Shanahan tree, whether that's Mike Shanahan, could be Jay Gruden, could be, you know, whatever. The Rams, the 49ers, even the Titans that he had recently, just because somebody that kind of understands the process. This is somebody who comes from a completely different coaching tree. I mean, he, he's a college guy. He came up through the college ranks. I mean, he didn't jump into the NFL until he was 41 years old with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then he went back to college. He went to Oklahoma State. Then he was a head coach of Southern Miss. Then he came back into the NFL again at age 50, spent three years with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I don't even know that he really has a tree. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. he kind of made his own way jumping from college to college to college. You know, and and it's good because he picks up knowledge in each one of these different places, but it just I, and again it comes back to I don't exactly know the the structure of it. Not just in general the difference between head coach and offensive coordinator, but what LaFleur in particular is envisioning. So as far as leaning on him to be sort of a head coach, as far as maybe coaching up the wide receivers and being the offensive coordinator slash pass game coordinator, whatever, you know, cool as far yeah, i I would just like somebody to be able to help him implement and coach up his brand of offense, I guess is what I'm what I'm saying because there's gonna be a little bit of a learning curve, not too much because it's west coast, but i I, I don't really want a college coach who comes from an air raid system to have to also learn the system right before I can coach it I have to learn it myself cuz I don't know this system or excuse me Air Coriel not Air Raid but that's what he that's what he comes from in Jacksonville Jaguars he was Air Coriel when uh Dirk Cutter ran it that's what he ran Tampa Bay Buccaneers when he went over there Air Coriel that's what he he taught and again if we look at you know I think a lot of people are excited about Munkin cuz they see what the Tampa, what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did and they get excited about it But the problem is, how do you take the success over there, which was air Coriel wide receivers in an air Coriel system that is designed to stretch the field and, and get the ball deep, and then say, let's do that here, except we're not going to have those kinds of receivers. We're not going to have that kind of scheme. We're not going to be trying to stretch the field. I mean, occasionally we do. But that's not our brand of offense. We run the ball a lot. Our, our, we, you know, we, we maintain possession and control of the football game through short passes, screen passes, curl routes, screen game, all that kind of stuff. But yet we want this magical Munkin effect where all of a sudden we got all these deep passes. Like That's not how that works because Lafleur is in control of the offense, not Munkin. So what, what exactly is Munkin doing here? And, uh, you know, again, he can do a lot, but I'm, I'm just trying to get people to understand that he's not running the offense. He's not turning this into an air choreo system. He's not bringing the wide receivers over here and running, running the, the offense that way. So we're not going to get what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had. Now, that's not to say he doesn't have something to offer and something to bring, and maybe he can kind of help incorporate some different concepts, because it is interesting You look at what they were able to do with with the talent they had occasionally and just absolutely blow teams out of the water. Kind of interesting, right? Like, tell me about that. But in that regard, it would almost be better to bring him in just to pick his brain and then maybe let him walk on because it's just not my favorite kind of thing. You know, for, for, for the two reasons that I said, one, I don't expect him to bring that here because this is a different system, a different scheme. We're not running that system here. And then two, it just... It's too much of a learning curve for Todd Munkin to be able to teach Lafleur's offense. He doesn't run West Coast. I don't know if he's ever been in a West Coast system, and you know he's a head co- He's been a head coach. He's a very intelligent coach. I'm sure he knows a lot of what it is. He can figure it out. It just it's not my favorite situation. This brings us to Nathaniel Hackett. Nathaniel Hackett is the exact opposite. He doesn't have the success. There's not a lot that you can point to to say, wow, that was really good. He's never been a head coach, but he does have the West Coast thing down. Beyond that, he's kind of a quarterbacks guy. right? He was quarterbacks and tight ends in Syracuse in 2010. Then he became an offensive coordinator. Then he was the quarterbacks coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Then he was quarterbacks interim offensive coordinator. Then in 2017, he was the OC. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of tough. On one hand, he's relatively a, a quick riser. I mean, he's, he's 39, so it's, it's somewhat older. But he jumped into the NFL at 27 years old. He started as an assistant linebackers coach when he was only 23 years old. So he went from there to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 27, to the Buffalo Bills at 29. He was He became an offensive coordinator for Syracuse at 32 years old. Jumped up to offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills at 34 years old. And then, uh, you know, quarterback, coach, interim, all that stuff I just said for the Jaguars at 38 became the offensive coordinator for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So it's tough. Um, They don't have a, you know, super similar kind of tree. I mean, the the only intersection that I could see would be John Gruden, which is a, which would make Lafleur and Hackett very distant relatives on the coaching tree. There's a lot of overlapping between the, the Shanahan's and the Gruden's and the, you know, McVay is, is intertwined in all that. So there, there should be some commonality in understanding that brand of, of offense. But then again, we come back to sort of checking the opposite boxes here. We don't really have the production, although, you know, the teams aren't all that great. Um, you know, what do we really expect from the Jacks? And, and let, 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 let me just say this, though. This year, the Jaguars weren't very good. If you haven't peaked already... Allow me to illuminate you. Um, the Jacksonville Jaguars offense last year, which was the first year that Hackett took over, fifth in points, sixth in yards. They were putting up some points. Blake Bortles, playing 16 games, was able to put up some serious points. So this is Blake Bortles, Leonard Fournette, wide receivers Marquise Lee, Keelan Cole, Allen Hearns, D.D. Dee Dee Westbrook. I mean, that group right there, was able to pull off 5th in points, 6th in yards. I mean, before they lost to the Patriots in a pretty ugly fashion in which the offense didn't look very good, they beat the Steelers 45-42. to The Jacksonville Jaguars beat the Steelers in Pittsburgh 45-42. to That's Nathaniel Hackett's offense. Now, they completely fell off the map, 31st in points, 27th in yards. The team just completely imploded. But I'm just saying there's something here, and there is more of a meld between the two. I, I don't know that this is going to be the pick. I, I wouldn't say that I necessarily love the pick. I'd like to see a few more names. If I had to pick between the two, boy, oh boy. I, I, I kind of feel like I'd rather have Hackett. I know that's an unpopular opinion, and it's definitely high risk, but I also think it's a little more, little more high reward. This could be a hidden gem again. Buffalo Bills, Jacksonville Jaguars, the expectations should be very, very low. You look at what he did with the Jaguars. What could he do with, you know, Rodgers? He's more of a quarterback guy than a wide receivers guy. He might not be any good. He could be a stud. I don't know. Personally, I don't really care for either of them. But I, I just, I I prefer Hackett, I think. Again, not super pumped about either of them. I think they both have their, their, um, their upsides. But also remember, you know, well, I, whatever. I'll leave it at that. Hopefully, and and I would assume we're going to be hearing a few more names. Um, Actually, as a matter of fact, after today, some teams are going to be eliminated, which means more coaches are going to be available. So before I get into my predictions for today and and whatever else I have to say about it, uh, we should probably take a look at some of the coaches that could become available pretty soon. So today, at 3.35, that's central time, we got the Colts and the Chiefs. We got the Cowboys and the Rams. Now, for our purposes... I would like the Rams to lose, even though I definitely want the Rams to win, but the Rams lose, we got the whole McVay tree available to us. Now, I know we already lost one of those candidates, one of the big ones, but as I pointed out, um, the, the top two guys that sort of make up or split up the offensive duties, Aaron Cromer is the run game coordinator, Shane Waldron is the pass game coordinator, Shane Waldron is a young guy, pass game coordinator. Comes from the McVay tree. I don't want to go over it again because I talked about it yesterday, but I I really feel like this should be a pretty big name. When you look at the success that these wide receivers, quarterback has had, I mean, we're talking tight ends, wide receivers, and quarterback all having the best years of their entire career. Shane Waldron is essentially sharing offensive coordinator duties with Aaron Cromer, except he is the passing game coordinator. There's not too many better passing offenses right now than, than the Shane Waldron passing offense. And with that comes the West Coast. It comes with this newer scheme. He understands the McVeigh stuff, which looks similar to what the Titans ran. Just makes a lot of sense to me. Now, is he going to want to come over here? I don't know. But pass game coordinator to offensive coordinator um, would be a would be an upgrade. It would also be a good move because it's another team that's a a you know it's it's a good team. He's got good players. Devontae Adams is better than any wide receiver they have over there. Even though the the they have higher grades. Essentially, we're looking at worse wide receivers that were graded higher than Devontae Adams because they just had massive years. A lot of that probably has to do with the scheme and all that stuff. But again, that's McVay and Waldron making these guys superstars. What's he going to do with Devontae? What can they they scheme up for, for guys like Marquez and EQ that are just bursting with talent, just waiting for somebody to unleash them? Just find a way to get me in space, get me the ball, and watch what I can do. So, if the Rams lose, I mean, whether it's Shane Waldron or whoever, you know, Skip Pete is the running back's coach. Eric Yarber, wide receiver's coach. You know, the quarterback coach, Zach Taylor's already gone. You know, Bill Nays, assistant to the head coach. I Okay, yeah, maybe. Again, we got a bunch of guys here. I mean, I'm looking primarily offensively, maybe defense, but I, I really don't care about that stuff. The only reason I'm really interested is because it's something that could be somewhat more natural. A natural fit. For what the Packers and uh, LaFleur are going to be looking to do. But kind of would prefer the Rams win. If the Rams do win, and I-, I talked about this before, you've got the Dallas Cowboys defense, which I think there might be something to look at here. The first thing I'm looking at, and granted these are early round guys that were expected to be studs, but you look at Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch, these are two of the top linebackers in the NFL. Maybe one of the best, if not the best linebacking groups in the NFL. If you look at who's in charge of that, Mr. Ben Bloom. This guy's been all over this defense. His hand is all over it. He gets—if you just read what he's done—he gets a lot of credit for guys like Sean Ree- Sean Lee, Bruce Carter, Demarcus Ware. Um, He—I mean—he's been instrumental in this defense. Let me just read this sentence here. In 2016, Bloom assumed the role of club's assistant coach, special projects, where he advised the head coach on game plan, matchups, and schemes, personnel group strategies, um, statistical analysis, game management, and situational football strategy. On the field, Bloom will continue to assist with special teams units. I don't think they've updated his his thing here because it ends at 2016. But he's officially the linebacker's coach now. And it, again, everything he touched seems to turn to gold. If we're looking to poach somebody, again, we've got an inside linebacker guy. I know he's in his first year, but we're not seeing much. I'm just saying. Wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to see what he has to say. Otherwise, Colts and Chiefs, um, obviously if the Chiefs get knocked out, it's pretty similar to the Rams. I mean, you're you're looking at a lot of these guys for offense. Obviously, Andy Reid is a slightly different tree, but we're talking about a pretty similar style. I, I shouldn't even say similar style. Again, we're talking about the difference between the two. You've, you've got this sort of Shanahan emphasis on the run type of, type of offense as opposed to the Chiefs, which are a little bit different. But still, you've got guys that are immersed in wanting to grow and wanting to be advanced in NFL offensive strategy and to kind of marry the two would be kind of awesome so whether that be a look at the enemy although I don't think he's going to be a candidate because again we're really looking for fit and given his history I don't know that that would be the greatest thing in the world but a lot of people to poach there and then the Colts you got offense and defense I've, again I've talked about it extensively yesterday I don't really want to go through it again but just take a look at some of their coaches you can see the massive upgrade that the defense has had. I mean, we're talking about like worst to first kind of thing. So, and then even offense, because again, um, Frank Reich comes from the Arizona Cardinals. He worked under Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson came out of the Andy Reid thing. So either way, either of those teams loses and we're looking to take somebody out of there we're we're talking about. And there's evolution with every coach that takes over, but fundamentally we're looking at that Andy Reid tree. So this is, this is Frank Reich kind of the young evolution of the Andy Reid tree taking on uh, Andy Reid himself. As far as predictions, this is this is pretty tough, especially the, the Chiefs-Colts thing. I tend to lean toward the Colts because, as I've said, when you get into playoff football, I'm looking for more balance. And we've got a really good offense, not quite as good as the Chiefs, but the Colts have a really good offense and a just an absolute freakish defense. The Chiefs have the offense, they don't have the defense. So that doesn't mean the Chiefs are going to lose, but I'm looking at a Chiefs team that I don't think can, can sustain... A enough wins to, to win a Super Bowl. The Colts have, have got kind of an ideal situation. They they not only have a good offense and a good defense, but a team that's getting better as they go along. So my official prediction is the the Colts, but the, the issue is you're looking at a Chiefs team that doesn't really know how to score less than 30 points. I mean, you know, tw- 27-ish is pretty much rock bottom for them, and they, they score 27 against the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore Ravens are one of the more one of the more stout teams. Now, with that said, you look at their record. Since their bye week, they beat the Oakland Raiders. Who cares? They beat the Oakland Raiders. Who cares? They beat the Ravens just barely in overtime and then lost to the Chargers and the Seahawks. So if we eliminate the Raiders games, they're one and two since their bye week. And the one win came against the Baltimore Ravens, who are not all that great, and they beat them in overtime. So, yeah i'm I'm gonna say the Indianapolis Colts. I think they are a more playoff ready. I think they're more motivated. I think they're more hungry. I think they're more capable. I think they beat the chiefs as for Rams Cowboys, this should be open and shut. It should be the Rams win Cowboys lose, but you know i've been I've been on kind of the the Rams watch for a while you know as far as um wanting to be cautious saying that you know with the losses comes comes these sort of high-volatility guys that kind of fall off a little bit. So basically, they went 8-0. They lost their first game to the New Orleans Saints in Week 9, and they're 3-5 and five since. They beat the Seahawks, the Chiefs, the Lions, the Cardinals, and the 49ers. The last two, who cares? They lost to the Saints, the Bears, and the Eagles. So basically, of their last four games, or let's put it this way, since their bye week, they lost to the Bears and the Eagles, who are playoff teams. They beat the Lions, Cardinals, and 49ers. That's kind of pathetic, man. Conversely, we got the Cowboys, who I don't want to give respect to, and I don't want to say that they're all very good at this kind of stuff, but I don't know, man. They're they're a hungry team. They've, they've been winning a lot. You look at how they started the season. It was loss, win, loss, win, loss, win, loss, by week, loss. Then it was win, 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 win loss, win, win, win. I... They just beat the Seahawks, which, you know, Seahawks are definitely on a different tier than the Rams. I think the Rams are a very much, the Rams at their best blow the Cowboys out of the water and it's not even close. I'm just worried about a team that is more balanced going up against a team that's just going to kind of blow it. You know, you're better, but are you going to blow it? But here's what I will say. The Cowboys win if their defense can maintain or stop the Rams. I don't think they're going to. The, the Rams, last time they played, put up 48 points. The time before that, 31 points. They put up six against the Bears, which isn't great. But the last time they played the Chiefs, they put up 54 points. So, I mean, we're looking at 48, 31, 23, 6, 30, 54, 36, 35, 29, 39. I mean, it's just, this team just blows people out of the water. Especially when they're at, at, you know, at home, which they will be. So, I am going to pick the Rams. I, I expect them to beat the Cowboys, but I could absolutely see a situation in which the Cowboys... Uh, the defense holds strong. The Rams' offense isn't able to get going. I don't think the Rams' defense can do very much, but you know, the Cowboys, even against bad defenses, are putting up, I don't know what, like 26 points is kind of like their going rate. I mean, they put up 36 on the Giants, 29 on the Eagles, You know, some of these divisional opponents. 30, they're great against their divisional rivals, 31 against the Redskins. You eliminate divisional rivals, 24, 27, 0, 13, uh, 22, 14, It's just, eh. So I'm looking at a team that maybe can get to 25, and the Rams should be able to blow that out of the water. So let's just say 25, 33 Rams, all right, just for fun. Anyways, I got to get going. Uh, You folks enjoy your Saturday. I'll talk to you later. Have a good one. Bye-bye.